0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our study through the book of 2 Timothy, and we are already on number three. It's amazing how quick time passes when you're in God's Word, but though we're on number three, we're only going to be getting through verse five of chapter one today. I hope that you're enjoying this series. It is really one of my favorite books to really get into and to look at and to dive into, and uh, I, I really hope that Uh, you enjoy it as well. But let's go ahead and let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1 here this morning and pay special attention there to verses 4 and 5, because that's what we're going to be focusing in on today. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be fulfilled, with, excuse me, filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded as in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift which God, uh, excuse me, which is in you uh, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me uh, in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace, which he which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are phygellus and Hermogenus. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he might find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well uh, the many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at at verses 4 and 5, and it says this, "...greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy." When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your mother your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Here we see, first of all, just a, a further understanding of the relationship between the Apostle Paul and Timothy. He really did personally know Timothy, and he personally cared about Timothy, and he truly has adopted him as a spiritual son. Not only is he going and calling him a, a, a son in the faith, but then also uh, he goes—and we looked at this yesterday—that he's he's praying for him and praying for him often— But then we see here in verse 4, he says, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. You see, the Apostle Paul is going and saying, look, the thing that is going to bring me uh, just an incredible amount of joy is, is is to be with you, to have fellowship with you, to be rejoined with you, to to minister with you again, and to minister to you specifically. He's going and saying, being mindful of your tears. Well, what tears is he talking about? Well, uh, Timothy uh, had just gone through a, a church split here. We could see this. Um, you know, through uh, Hymenaeus and and Alexander, uh, who were over in Ephesus and and they had made shipwreck of the faith. Uh, and we, we can see here that he had gone through that difficult time. We can also see that that Timothy, has gone through a, a difficult time in the sense of all the persecutions that's going around, and, and Timothy apparently is lacking just a little bit of boldness at this point in time. He's he, he's a young man. He's gone through difficult things. He's been left somewhat alone in ministry, not that there's not people or Christians around him, but, the, but his spiritual father, Paul, is not there, his spiritual dad. He's not there. Uh, to go and to help him out and to uh, to talk to him. You can't just call him up on the phone. You know they've got to go and write letters back and forth, uh, and, and things of that nature. And, and so the, there's an undeniably this idea that Timothy has been discouraged, and the Apostle Paul wants to come and encourage him, minister to him, and he's going and saying, "Look, seeing you again, having fellowship with you again, that." is going to uh, just make me filled with joy. I mean, we can see the relationship that Paul has with Timothy. And, and, you know, this is important to go and to look at and to understand, because this is the type of relationship, the type of involvement that you should have in other Christians' lives. You, you know, can we really go and in, in say, look being around that person that they are going to fulfill my joy. You know, a lot of times it it seems like it's the opposite of uh, for Christians. You know, it's it's either a superficial relationship when you're around somebody who, uh, who is a brother in Christ, it's either just superficial where you really know nothing about them other than their preference in weather, and you, you really don't—and maybe their sports team—but but you really don't know anything about them, so it doesn't really motivate you. It's just all small talk, and, and so there is no such thing as as fulfilling your joy when you're with them because you don't have an attachment to them. You don't have true communion. You don't have true fellowship with them. Or on the other side, perhaps, you, you go and you're around brothers in Christ, and you go and you say, man, I can't stand that person. I, You know, uh, it, it's it's not going to fulfill my joy. It's going to fulfill my misery to be around that person, and you complain about them. That seems to be the modern Christian's attitude, but we see something completely different here. The people that you are tasked to go and to disciple, and of course, those who are discipling you, you should be looking to encourage them and realize that fellowship And communion with them goes and brings you true joy. Wow, isn't that the type of relationship that we should seek to have as Christians? But now we get to verse 5. And we see that the Apostle Paul, he, he really does know Timothy as he goes and he tells his family history of Christianity. And an interesting thing of note is that Timothy here is the perhaps the first third-generation Christian, at least the first one listed in Scripture. We see here that his mother and his grandmother were both Christians, that they had a genuine, real faith And this is a faith that wins you over, is the type of faith that it's talking about. It's not just, you you know, hey, I kind of believe something, but, but something that actually wins over your inner being. That's the type of faith that the Apostle Paul is talking about. And he's going and saying, look, this kind of faith was dwelling first in your grandmother and then in your mother, and now it is dwelling in you also. And of course, that faith has won him over. And this is important to go and to understand, because how is faith passed down from generation to generation? We should want a generational faith. That should be one of our goals, and this is a pattern uh, that is is given in Scripture here, is this mandate to go and to have a generational faith— Well, you know, Timothy was not saved. He didn't have faith simply because his mother had faith. He wasn't saved. He didn't have faith simply because his grandmother had faith. But it was because the faith that they had was a faith that won others over. It was a faith that is described in Hebrews 11.1. It is one that, yes, has a belief that grabs hold of God's promises, but then it's one that has real evidence real evidence in their life, and Timothy could go and look out and see this faith that was in his mother, this faith that was in his grandmother, it was real. It changed their life. It affected the way that they lived, and that impacted—it won Timothy over. And then that became so evident to the Apostle Paul that he goes and says, and I am persuaded is in you also isn't that incredible to stop in <clears throat> to think about here Timothy had the had faith passed down to him but it's not passed down through genetics it's not passed down physically it's passed down spiritually in the impact of that faith and then he showed evidence of faith so much so that The Apostle Paul goes and says, I'm persuaded you have that faith that is in you. Wow. This is the type of goal that you should be setting in your life, that your faith will not just impact you personally but it will go and impact the next generation and the generation after that, and it will continue to impact generations as you seek to build a generational faith, which means that you have to stop and to think past yourself, think about other people, think about that next generation, and set a pattern for them to follow. We're going to see in a few days here, how how Paul has given Timothy a pattern to follow. We're going to see probably in, in a week or a few weeks, anyway, uh, how Paul realizes that, the, that Timothy had a pattern in the home to follow, that he was taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. We're going to see that in chapter 3. And this is just incredible to go to look at because the Apostle Paul is building this discipleship uh, process and these important elements to discipleship. One of them is obviously that you need to have spiritual children, but but the next one is is that you know it really is important to have Christian homes. We we shouldn't be uh, going in and trying to build um, over every single generation. We shouldn't need to do that. We should be able to build upon through the next generation. You, you know, I, I'm all for evangelism. Very much for evangelism uh what was just actually uh sharing the gospel with a a young man last night uh at a at a political event, but one thing that we need to stop and to just realize is that if Christians would simply reach their children, think about this. If Christians would simply reach their children and not go outside of the families, but, you know, just multiplying in that way of just through children, we would have more Christians today than what we have if we simply reached our children. The reality of it is, is that most Christians don't reach their children. Because, well, it's because they don't have this pattern of real, genuine faith. It It's not faith with evidences. It's not faith that impacts other people's lives. It's not faith that affects the way that you live your life. And the problem is, is that your children look out and they can go and say, yeah, I know you're just a Christian on Sunday. I know you are a fake and a phony children know when you're lying to them they know when you're being hypocritical they know when you're faking it other people might not know because they don't get to see that much but children do and so if they pick up on that think that you're faking it well then your faith isn't going to unpack them but that is not what happened to timothy it was passed down from his grandmother to his mother to him and not through genetics but through the spiritual faith that affected and impacted their lives. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember, Joshua 1, 8, and 9 we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But even in darkness We hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting